Hello and welcome back. Today we are talking about simple solutions that you can do for weight loss. So many, many times I hear from people, I can't lose weight, I can't lose weight, even for my patients that were working on optimizing their thyroid, optimizing their hormones, I still hear the complaint that they are not losing weight. Now, first of all, you have to have patience. That's a big piece of the puzzle. But simple things that you can do right now to lose weight are as simple as looking at your sleep. So we're going to deep dive into the research behind sleep deprivation and how hard it affects every single hormone, including your thyroid hormones. But also, did you know that sleep deprivation, one night, one night of sleep deprivation can put you into an insulin resistance state? And those of you who don't know what insulin resistance is, it's basically you are primed for storing fat. You are primed for laying down adipose tissue on your body. That's just from one night of sleep deprivation. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at how sleep can affect all the different hormones and simple things that you can do to improve your sleep. And then we're going to look at the second piece of the puzzle tied to sleep, what I just said, insulin resistance. So that alone, simple lifestyle changes. We're not even talking about the the medical side. We're not even talking about you being on the right thyroid medication. We're not even talking about bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, nothing. We're doing simple lifestyle behavioral changes that can have a huge impact on whether or not you can lose weight, whether or not your body is losing weight. So you can be doing everything right. You can be on the perfect diet. We can be looking at your, your thyroid function and optimizing that and getting you on the right medication and the right dose and the right timing and look at your looking at your hormones and balancing your progesterone and your DHA and your testosterone and your estrogen. But if you are not sleeping, you will not lose weight. All right, so let's break this down one by one. Have you ever heard of the baobab fruit? It's really interesting. And it is such an affordable way to increase your antioxidants because this thing is a multi-talented, multivitamin, multi-mineral, one-of-a-kind supplement in powder form that you throw into your shakes. Oh my God, it just pretty much becomes a no-brainer. So this particular Baobab Boost from Trim Healthy Mama, my two favorite ladies on the planet, they introduced me to this amazing antioxidant and I fell in love. I put it in all the time. Every single shake that I have, I put the Baobab powder in. It's citrus and sherbet tasting dried flesh, has five times the fiber of oats, and a higher antioxidant level than any food on the planet. That's eight times that of the superberry acai and more than blueberries and pomegranates combined. So quit eating all the sugar and just use organic baobab fruit pulp. It's that easy. Because Trim Healthy Mama, they put that into a nice powder. Like I said, I just scoop it right out, throw it into my shake. Oh my gosh, it reduces inflammation and helps with weight loss. And the other really interesting thing about it is it's kind of working as an appetite suppressant. Now, I know it's not touted for that, but when you put it in your shake, especially first thing in the morning, throw that into a nice protein shake, you'll notice that your appetite is definitely curbed. 
So now I'm thinking of this perfect stack to replace or or supplement those GLPs out there on the market. What if we did Baobab and Metabolism Fixer together? That would be crazy at controlling your appetite. And with the Baobab, you're getting all those antioxidants. It's, it's amazing. And this powder is so affordable. It is so affordable. So you're going to go to store.trimhealthymama.com and look up Baobab. It's B-A-O-B-A-B, Baobab Boost Powder. These ladies have just gone all out with their entire line, but this is one of my favorites because I started using it. And I have to say that I noticed the appetite suppression difference. And then when I dove down the rabbit hole of what else is in it, the antioxidant content, the multi-mineral content, it just becomes a no-brainer. So store.trimhealthymama.com. Look for Baobab powder. Enjoy. Are you sick of hearing me talk about Young Goose yet? Well, that's too bad because I love them. And I have been using them now for years, probably about two or three years. And I can honestly say that my skin looks great. So I go to my plastic surgeon's office to get a little bit of Botox, right? And he says, what are you doing for your skin? Because your skin looks great. And I'm 50. It's going to be Young Goose. You know, I've never had the ability to do those ablative lasers that are supposed to refresh and renew your skin. I just can't do it. I break out. So I love a good product line that is actually going to do something with my skin and help me not age. So whether we're talking about eye cream, finding that perfect eye cream, whether you're finding that perfect collagen boosting cream that smooths out wrinkles, Young Goose has it all. I use pretty much everything in their line, but my favorites are going to be the Care Moisturizer. This has NAD and NAD boosting powers to it, which obviously helps your skin. We love NAD for anti-aging. I use the Hyperbaric Mask at night. I put that on. Oh my gosh, it just renews and replenishes and hydrates my skin. I use the ProCare Serum. This is an anti-aging serum. It's senolytic meaning it's going to seek out and destroy the bad cells and promote new cell growth. I use the adaptogenic cleanser. I use the amplifying essence, which really kind of boosts up your skincare. Overall, Bio-C peptide spray as a toner. Their entire line is fantastic. If you even start with two to three products, you will notice a difference in your skin. So you're going to go to younggoose.com and you're going to use the code Dr. Amy. This is going to save you 5% off. Now, is it a ginormous savings? No, but their line is so precise and so grounded in science. This is what they can offer. And, you know, I love the owners too. I think buying from, from a family owned company is so important. And if you met the owners, you would fall in love and want to, use their products every single day because you know that their heart and soul is literally behind this line. So younggoose.com, use the code Dr. Amy, you will notice a difference in your skin. So sleep, lack of, and when we're talking about the lack of, we're talking about five hours, five to six hours or less. 
So most research, when they're looking at proper sleep numbers, proper sleep number of hours, they're looking at seven and a half hours or more. Now we're not going to dive into the effects of too much sleep. Yes, there are studies on that as well that say that too much sleep is as detrimental as too little sleep. We are looking at the too little sleep piece because that's where most of you are. In this day and age with the amount of work that people are doing, they're up working late, we are a go, go, go society, we are get things done society, which most of the time can be good. And then in some instances can completely backfire when it comes to our health. We are laden with stress from the state of the world, the economy, politics, your job, your family, marital stress, money, kids, homeschooling, virtual schooling, whatever you're dealing with right now is just adding to the layers upon layers of stress. In addition to maybe you are dealing with some health effects. Maybe you are dealing with some health things that you don't have answers to that you haven't found the right practitioner to work with. And you're not sure why that adds an extra layer of stress. Dysregulated hormones can also affect your sleep. Dysregulated thyroid can also affect your sleep. So there are many, many things that are affecting our sleep right now. So we are looking at the lack of sleep five, six hours or less. Too little sleep has actually an, an inhibitory effect on thyroid hormones. So studies have shown that when people get five to six hours of sleep or less, thyroid hormone actually starts to downregulate. So even if you are taking thyroid medication, even if you know you have a problem and we're treating it, just by not getting the proper amount of sleep, you can downregulate that thyroid hormone. So then we get your labs back and we say, hey, wait a minute, we have you on this medication. You're on T3, you're on a high dose of T3, you're on NDT and T3 together. Why is your free T3 2.5? It's way too low. Something is going on. Why is your TSH going up? That doesn't make sense. So it can actually have in and of itself, an inhibitory effect on thyroid hormone. Then we look at how lack of sleep can affect cortisol. And of course, we can tie that back to the thyroid. So lack of sleep is a stressor on the body. So what we start to see is that cortisol levels will rise and they'll go up higher than what they should be. So cortisol has a diurnal pattern. We all have a circadian rhythm. Our bodies want to sleep at a specific time. This is why third shift workers, we normally see cortisol dysregulation in third shift workers because our bodies were never meant to be up throughout the night and sleep during the day. That's not how our brains work. That's not how we were designed. We have a circadian rhythm that allows us to produce melatonin. We'll talk more about that in a moment to produce melatonin when it gets dark out. We weren't built to push ourselves through the night loaded up on caffeine and sugar just to stay awake for third shift. So we see this dysregulated cortisol pattern in people. Cortisol is supposed to start high in the morning and gradually go down throughout the day and be low at night in order to put us into that restful relaxation state, preparing our bodies for sleep. What we see in sleep-deprived people is that cortisol levels will either be elevated throughout the day and we'll see a, a too high of a level on each marker. When we do a four-point salivary cortisol test, we're testing morning, noon, 5 p.m., and right before bed. So what we'll see in sleep-deprived individuals is that cortisol level is always testing a little bit higher. And I'm not talking a, a flat line across the top. 
but we're, we're talking about just a little bit higher with each one of those testing markers, each one of those testing times, the cortisol will be elevated. Now we know that cortisol elevates blood glucose. So along with that slightly elevated cortisol, we're also seeing slightly elevated glucose patterns, which absolutely tie into the insulin resistant piece. And we're going to circle back to that. But we know high cortisol will interfere with T4 to T3 conversion of the thyroid. So many of you have heard me talk ad nauseum that T3 is the active thyroid hormone. So if T4 is not converting properly over to T3 due to high cortisol, due to your body being under stress all the time from you not getting adequate amounts of sleep, then it is inadvertently affecting the thyroid with T4 to T3 conversion, as well as down regulating the thyroid from the direct effect of lack of sleep. Cortisol, lack of sleep is seen as a stressor. So cortisol will be dysregulated from it. The other thing that we see with lack of sleep, and studies have shown this, there is a decrease in testosterone. So this goes across the board, men and women. Testosterone naturally increases while we sleep and it decreases during our awakening times. So when we're talking about getting an increase in testosterone, and I am not just talking about men, I will say that again, women, you need testosterone. What is testosterone good for? Building muscle, lean body mass, burning fat, having motivation to go work out, having motivation to go do things and achieve things, um, having a libido. So we absolutely need testosterone in our life, male or female. One study showed that a lack of sleep of five hours or less dropped testosterone levels by 15%. Now, when you hear that, you think, oh, 15%, that's not that bad. When you look at it at where testosterone levels should be for males and females, that drop of 15% actually ages you by 15 years. Think about that. So you might be walking around with the testosterone level of a 70-year-old if you're 55. Or if you're 70, you're walking around with testosterone of 85-year-old. And really, you should be still feeling pretty darn spunky at the age of 70. So five hours or less of sleep drop testosterone by 15%. So testosterone rises while we sleep. And that's when a lot of repair is going on. So let's say you go to the gym, you're busting your butt at the gym, you're trying to build muscle, you're trying to burn fat, you need that recovery time. So a really good workout, we know of weight training, we're not talking cardio queens, a really nice workout of weight training will increase your growth hormone and will increase your testosterone level, male and female, that is a good thing. That is a very good thing. Now during sleep is when repair takes place. So you're actually in a state of in a catabolic state, a breakdown state when you're working out, because that's what we want to do. We want to break down the muscle tissue and then rebuild it to increase muscle size, to decrease fat. So in that sleep state, that's where repair takes place. That's also where growth hormone levels rise. Growth hormone is the anti-aging hormone. It helps us to burn fat. It helps us to build lean body mass. It helps with our skin and decreasing wrinkles. We want higher levels of growth hormone, and that only occurs during sleep. So if you're not getting proper amounts of sleep, you are not repairing. You are not recovering. You are not producing the anti-aging hormone, growth hormone. You are lowering your testosterone levels. You are down-regulating your thyroid hormone. You are increasing cortisol, 
which is going to lay down some good old belly fat. And it's also going to interfere with T4 to T3 conversion. So you can see where we're going with this. Low testosterone also sets you up for an increased risk of Hashimoto's. If you don't have it yet, keep not sleeping. That's not only seen as a stressor that can turn on that little switch our, our autoimmune switch for Hashimoto's. So there goes that switch flip on, but low testosterone levels, especially in females, absolutely sets you up for a greater risk of Hashimoto's disease. You can see where we can connect this. We can just connect every single dot of this puzzle. One feeds into the other, that feeds into the other, that feeds into the other, and the detrimental effects, it's like a cascade. It's like a domino effect. So I bet, I bet you never thought of sleep as being this important until it's laid out in front of you, until you see how every aspect of your endocrine system is affected by a lack of sleep. And we're going to talk about what you can do about it as well. But for me, it's eye-opening as well. When I look at the research, when I lay it out, when I lay it out for you, it's almost to a scary point. It almost starts to freak you out that you don't want to miss a night of sleep, that you want to make sure that you are doing everything for your sleep health because one night of bad sleep has such an impact on your body. Can you recover from it? Yes, absolutely. Can we do things to improve your sleep right now, even if you've been a horrible sleeper your whole life and you're sitting there just like me saying, Oh my gosh, I am doomed. No wonder I can't lose weight. No wonder I'm gaining weight. I'm not sleeping. Yes, we can absolutely do things to reverse that and make it all better. But you have to know before you change, right? You have to know the why. The why you are maybe wearing those blue light blocking glasses when you're watching. Maybe you, you want to know why you are turning your phone off at 7 p.m. I know, I know it's hard to do. It's hard to do. My, my Facebook addiction people, it's hard to turn that off. But if you know the reason why you're doing it, it makes it easier to do because it's for your benefit in the long run. It's to improve that downstream effect on your endocrine system and improve every single point along the way, including your thyroid, including your cortisol levels, including your growth hormone and your testosterone and your other hormones. And now we're going to get into leptin and ghrelin. Leptin. Leptin is the satiety hormone. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone. I want you to think about when... Think back the last couple of weeks when you haven't slept well. Maybe you couldn't get to sleep. Your mind was racing. You laid there till like 2 a.m. You only got four or five hours. Or maybe you had to wake up early. Or maybe you're the type that wakes up at 3 or 4 and then you're wide awake and you can't get back to sleep. I want you to think of the next day. Were you more hungry? Were you walking around going, I can eat anything that comes across my path right now? That's because there is a dysregulation in leptin signaling. You're not getting that signal that you're full, that you're satisfied. You are literally hungry all the time. So leptin and ghrelin starts to become dysregulated and, and you are legitimately hungry. Now, this is going to have an impact on insulin as well. So when we're talking about insulin resistance, and this is kind of part two of the simple solutions that you can do to lose weight. Part one is sleep. Part two is regulate your insulin, but part two is tied into part one. So when we are experiencing sleep abnormalities, sleep dysregulation, insulin resistance occurs. Insulin becomes dysregulated. And like I said, just one night 
of bad sleep, we see the effects of insulin resistance immediately. There was one study done, this is years ago, I wish I could still find it, I could probably find it if I really hunt for you, where they took twins, everything being the same, put them in a sleep lab, everything being the same, extra, you know, DNA obviously was the same, they were identical twins, exercise was the same, food intake was the same, you know, caloric intake was exactly the same. The only thing they did differently, now they didn't even wake up, like fully wake up the second twin, all they did was stimulate his brain enough to bring him out of REM sleep, that deep delta wave sleep, bring him out of REM sleep. And in five days, he was pre-diabetic. We see other studies that one night of sleep deprivation. So if you keep somebody up for 24 hours, that alone is enough to induce insulin resistance. Now, there is a, a really interesting study um, from the Nurses Health Study. This is published in uh, the Harvard Nutrition Source. And the Nurses Health Study found an association between those who slept the least, five hours or less, and having the highest BMI and the greatest weight gain. One reason may be a disruption in appetite hormones that regulate the feeling of hunger, the ghrelin, and the satisfaction hormone, leptin. So ghrelin levels are shown to rise while leptin levels drop with lack of sleep. That's where you're hungry, 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 and you can't stop eating. Uh, and you do prefer food high in fat and carbohydrate. And that has been observed. That was observed in this study. And that's just the natural phenomenon because that hunger, your body is going to tell you, hey, you know, don't go and just eat like chicken and broccoli. I mean, come on, go for the cereal, go for the pretzels, go for the pasta, snack on the candy bar go to the vending machine. That's what your body is going to be driven to do. And then when we tie that back to insulin resistance, we absolutely see that connection. How many times have you heard me talk about insulin resistance as being highs and lows, as being on that roller coaster? So where there's a high, there's an equal and opposite low. So if we are spiking your cortisol and we're spiking your blood sugar and we're spiking your insulin and you are becoming insulin resistant, you are going to have a state of hypoglycemia or low blood sugar because where there's high, equal and opposite low. Think about a nice little roller coaster, hills and valleys, mountains and valleys. In those valleys, in those lows, that's where you become hangry. That's where you want to tear someone's face off if you don't eat. And you're not going to be going for chicken and broccoli. You're not going to be going for avocados and salmon. Your body is saying to you, literally, your blood sugar is too low. We need you to go and get something sugary with some carbs to get the blood sugar up now, not later. We don't have time for slow acting good fats. We want you to go and eat something crappy right now and get the blood sugar back up to baseline. Well, nobody goes up to baseline. You naturally go higher. So now you're in that low and you eat and you eat garbage and you spike high again. And in those highs, those high insulin, those high blood sugar spikes, that's where you are storing fat because insulin is the fat storage hormone. A fat cell cannot shrink in the presence of insulin, period. A fat cell only grows in the presence of insulin. So you are either in a growing, gaining fat state if you have insulin or you are just in that, we're just going to hang out right here 
not grow, but we're sure as hell not going to shrink state with high insulin levels. So you can see where lack of sleep is absolutely going to contribute to fat gain or the inability to lose fat because those insulin levels aren't coming down. You're in that high insulin state all the time because of dysregulated leptin, ghrelin, and insulin. And you have to remember too that insulin, high insulin levels will cause inflammation. So when we see someone in this state of inflammation, and let's say you you are on that roller coaster, you're in that hypoglycemic state, you're reaching for the ice cream and the Snickers bar and the pretzels and the pasta and the pizza, and you're reaching for those high carbohydrate processed high inflammatory foods, then that's just going to increase your cellular inflammation which is also going to tie back to, as we've talked to so many, talked about so many times, tie back to the effect of T3 on the cell. When the cell is inflamed, it's really hard for T3 to get into the cell. And usually we see a higher reverse T3 when there's a large amount of inflammation in the system. We know that insulin resistance, high insulin levels will impair T4 to T3 conversion, just like high cortisol. So now you're having this secondary effect on your weight. Not only are you having the high insulin, but you're also impairing T4 to T3 conversion, creating the state of inflammation in your body that there's no way anything can work properly. You have low testosterone, you have low growth hormone, you're hungry all the time from high ghrelin and low leptin. You're just a disaster. And the cycle continues all because you're not getting enough sleep. Think about that. Something so simple, so simple. So now you're telling me, okay, well, it's not so simple. What do I actually do about it? So you've heard me obviously talk about berberine. We're going to start there and work backwards. We're going to start with part two. We're going to start with that insulin resistance and work backwards. Because if you are insulin resistant, the other thing that can be happening, raise your hand if you're out there and this is you, if you wake up between 2 and 3 a.m., you could be spiking your blood sugar high and crashing during the night. You will wake up during the night if your blood sugar goes low. Now, you're not going to wake up and be like, I need the refrigerator necessarily. But it's your body. It's your body going into that hypoglycemic state that just, boom, triggers you and you wake up. So if you are on that blood sugar insulin resistant roller coaster, One thing you can do that will actually indirectly help your sleep is to stabilize that high and low, to stabilize your blood sugar. Now, this is going to help you with weight loss too, because like we said, if you're always in that high insulin, high blood sugar state, you're never going to lose weight. A fat cell cannot shrink in the presence of insulin. So when you stabilize this through using berberine, then you get this nice wave-like pattern. Now your body can tap into its fat stores. Now it can lower the levels of insulin. Now you're not crashing in the middle of the night waking up. Now I know some of you have tried berberine and some of you have that GI laxative effect from it and just can't, can't, can't take it. So I put the link for berberine in the show notes. I also put the link for glucosapreme. So glucosapreme has a blend of other blood sugar regulating ingredients in it. It only has 500 milligrams of berberine in four capsules. So we can microdose the berberine so it doesn't hit the GI like it does if you take something like berberine synergy. 
So this is for people, the glucose supreme is for people that have tried berberine and cannot handle it. Even after the course of a couple of weeks, they still cannot handle the GI effects of the berberine. And then we go down, we do a little sprinkling of the berberine with the glucose supreme, maybe starting off with one, maybe two capsules a day of the glucose supreme, and then gradually building up. So even at the max dose, you're still only getting 500 milligrams of berberine, which is in one of the capsules of the berberine's synergy. So we can you know, kind of microdose that for better tolerance. Balancing blood sugar and insulin, and obviously do not eat something high in carbs and sugar right before bed. So you could be taking all the berberine in the world and the glucose supreme. And if you're going to eat something high in carbohydrates or high in sugar or alcohol before bed, you are going to crash through the night it is going to disrupt your sleep. Period. End of story. It is going to disrupt your sleep. What do we do about sleep? Okay. So you're one of those people that you're like, you know what? My thyroid's optimized. I still can't sleep. So number one, we can go back to how your body works. The pineal gland and your gut make melatonin. Melatonin is produced and it's, it's wired into us, right? This is it's how we were made. When it gets dark out, it's time to go to bed. So our eyes see the darkness, stimulate the pineal gland and also stimulation in the gut because there is that gut brain connection to produce melatonin, to chill us out, calm us down, and prepare us for a nice restful night of sleep. Then we are also finding that melatonin has direct effects on the immune system. So we're using high-dose melatonin in the treatment of certain viruses going around. So it does impact the immune system is in a positive way. And the problem right now in today's society I mentioned the blue light blocking glasses. We are bombarded with light from everywhere. So you're on your phones, you're on the computer, you're on Netflix, all the way up till 10, 11 o'clock at night. So your brain actually thinks it is daytime. It's getting so much blue light that there's no natural production of melatonin whatsoever. And since some of our melatonin is produced in our gut, most of you have IBS or some kind of gut issue. Now you're just you might as well forget it. There's no way you're producing melatonin. So we do have to heal the gut. We got to throw on some blue light blocking glasses. You got to shut your damn phone off around seven, eight o'clock at night, close your computer. Yes, you can put the blue light blocking screens on the computer and on your phone. And that does help to a certain point. And I am guilty of this as well. So please do not think that I am holier than thou. Like I'm literally, what is it preaching to the choir right now? I need to shut my phone off too. I really do. Shut your phone off, throw on some blue light blocking glass. You know, they have them like really cute now. They don't, they're not like the orange, like, I don't know. There's as seen on TV, orange glasses anymore where you look like a freak. They have like nice little, you know, dainty, just like little reading glasses that they don't have a prescription in them. Although you can get them for, uh, with a prescription. I know there are some, eyeglass prescription companies out there that make the lenses with blue light blocking lenses. If you want to go that route, if not go on Amazon and buy a cute little pair of glasses and you can put it right over your contacts and wear those as you are watching TV at night, get the screens, get the filters, you know, put on the, the, the dimming light, the orange light on your computer. If you absolutely have to be on it, but do some behavioral things 
to start winding down and chilling out your body. And then 30 minutes before bed, you can add in melatonin. Now, you want to use a nice high quality melatonin. And for those of you who have trouble falling asleep, we can use just regular, you know, the three milligram melatonin. Designs for Health also makes a product called Insomnitol that has melatonin in it. Sometimes we have to go to that. It has uh, 5-HTP, but you don't want to use that if you're on an antidepressant. But it does have something, you know, valerian root, 5-HTP, that works very, very well for inducing sleep. Here's the thing with melatonin. Whenever I talk to my patients and I say, have you tried melatonin? They go, yeah, it didn't work for me. I said, well, did you just take one or did you take more than one? Yeah, well, you know, I just took the one. Most of the time, it, melatonin comes in three milligrams, sometimes five, sometimes 10, but most of the time it's a three milligram tablet. If you stop at one and it doesn't work for you and it did absolutely nothing, didn't even touch you, did nothing, then try to go up, go up to six and go up to nine. We can use high doses of melatonin for a short period of time, hopefully while we improve all your other hormones, your blood sugar, your thyroid, your habits, turning your phone off, blue light blocking glasses. While we're doing all of that, we can use those high doses of melatonin to get you sleeping better, to improve your sleep habits, changing your diet, not eating high sugar foods, not eating inflammatory foods before bed, cutting out the alcohol, all of that. So you can safely go up. We use 20 milligrams of melatonin in the treatment of migraines. So you can go up in the dose of melatonin. So you want to find your sweet spot. You want to get to the place where, okay, I took nine milligrams and I fell asleep and I stayed asleep and I woke up refreshed. If you are having vivid dreams, that's part of, that's just part of the deal with melatonin. Sometimes switching brands can help that, sometimes not. And if you are waking up kind of groggy, like, like a little bit of a melatonin hangover, it may be the brand. So you might have to try a different brand. For those of you who have trouble staying asleep, you tell me, listen, I can fall asleep like the best of them, but I keep waking up. I'm waking up at two, three, four. Sometimes a slow release melatonin, melatonin SRT, can be used because it will slowly release through the night to keep you asleep. Now we have to determine whether or not that is a blood sugar issue waking you up in the middle of the night. Sometimes that's evidence of liver issues. So you might have to do a liver detox um, just to kind of clear things out because liver is definitely tied to waking up between that 2 and that 4 a.m. hour. So liver, blood sugar, and then we can definitely try slow release melatonin to see if we can't keep you asleep. The other things that we use before sleep, GABA. So many of you are taking Pharma GABA. You're doing the chewables and you're using those as necessary for anxiety. We can also use those right before bed. So some of you, maybe melatonin just does not work for you whatsoever. So we still have to improve your natural production of melatonin through behavioral and lifestyle changes as well as dietary changes. And then we use something like GABA, like Pharma GABA, right before bed to kind of induce that, ah, that calming sensation. We also use magnesium before bed. So we dose magnesium before bed. If you're taking your T4 right before you climb into bed, take your magnesium a half hour, hour before. So whatever magnesium you are currently taking as prescribed by your practitioner that you're working with, 
take that before bed because magnesium in some people has a calming effect. And especially when it is paired with melatonin. Now for my ladies, many of you are progesterone deficient. So if you are in a state of estrogen dominance, low progesterone, you're perimenopausal, you're menopausal, your progesterone is in the tank, taking a micronized progesterone before bed often, often, often helps with sleep. Progesterone is the calming hormone. So GAB is the calming neurotransmitter. Progesterone is the calming hormone. It balances, it calms. So if you are low in progesterone, your sleep will absolutely be affected. Absolutely, absolutely. The other thing I forgot to put in here in the uh, description, but we'll definitely put it in the show notes on the podcast, FemGuard Plus Balance. So for my ladies that are experiencing hot flashes, you know who you are and you know who I gave this to and you've already told me that it works and you also know who you are that needs to add it in that I told you to add it in you haven't yet and your sleep is all kinds of disrupted from hot flashes. FemGuard Plus Balance by Designs for Health 100% works for those hot flashes. Whether you get them in the day or at night, it it just, it, I mean, it's like a miracle. It just balances things out and takes away those hot flashes so that you're not waking up from being doused in a pool of sweat. That will definitely disrupt your sleep. That will wake you up for sure. My goodness. So sleep in a cool, dark room, all the basics. We're not talking the basics here. We're, we're getting a little bit deeper in the weeds. I don't have to tell you to keep your room dark. Do I really have to tell you to keep it below 68 degrees? I mean, those are just basic studies right there that we've, we've been hearing on and on and on and on. You probably don't even need me to tell you to not drink before bed. Alcohol is a sleep disruptor. So is your Oreo cookies and your popcorn. But the, the things that we can do that maybe you didn't know about would be the melatonin, slow-release melatonin, pharma-gaba, progesterone, if you need it and you're progesterone deficient, and FemGuard Plus Balance, if you are waking up with hot flashes, the glucose supreme, if you can't take the berberine and the berberine synergy, if you're insulin resistant. So just let me touch a little tiny bit more on that part too, that insulin resistance, because some of you may or may not have heard my last podcast on insulin resistance and the proper lab value ranges that are needed, well, that are optimal. So when you're looking at your labs, you want to look at your fasting insulin. And if you don't have this, you have to ask for it. This is not commonly tested on a regular old set of labs. Fasting insulin, we want below a six. Yes, I know the standard lab value range goes higher than that. Some of them go up to 20 or 24. We want it below a six. Hemoglobin A1C, we want around a five, 5.1. And your fasting glucose, we want below an 86, but not too low because that indicates hypoglycemia. But preferably right around like 82 to 80, maybe 8, 90 at the max. That's where we want your fasting glucose. And then if that matches up with a really pretty insulin and A1C, then you're good to go. If those numbers are off a little bit, then you may have to think deeper into that insulin resistant component of not being able to lose weight. You also have to think about the insulin resistant component in terms of waking up at night and then tie that back to the sleep component of not being able to lose weight. So this is mainly, mainly a talk about sleep, but insulin resistance definitely ties in as that is a key, key component. And it's often overlooked 
in conventional medicine because those lab value ranges are huge. So for fasting glucose on a comp metabolic panel, some of them go up to 100, some go up to 110 before you reflect. Like I said, with insulin, some lab value ranges go up to 18, 20, 24 before you're flagged. And we want it below a six. Hemoglobin A1C, you're fine and dandy all the way up to a 5.6, 5.7 before you get that little H next to it flagging high. We want you around a 5, 5.1. So you can see where optimal versus conventional comes into play when we were talking about where we want you and how to avoid insulin resistance. So sleep insulin resistance, lack of sleep under five to six hours. You're looking at impaired insulin, impaired thyroid function, low testosterone, low growth hormone, hunger, leptin resistance, ghrelin all messed up, cortisol coming back around to interfere with T4 to T3 conversion, insulin resistance, being insulin resistant within a day, of not getting sleep, tanking your, your testosterone levels within five days of not getting enough sleep, high insulin levels tying back to dysregulating T4 to T3 conversion. So you can see how important it is. So do the things that you need to get proper sleep. Take the things that you need to balance out your insulin. Get out of that insulin resistance state, for goodness sake. A week of good sleep, berberine, and balancing out your your blood sugar and your food. I mean, that alone can help. Do some things, get rid of the inflammatory foods, help heal your microbiome, throw in some kombucha and some kimchi. Don't use probiotics every single day. Remember that some of your melatonin is made in your gut. So you want to really improve the health of your gut as well. This regulated gut also increases your insulin resistance. Everything is tied together. So let's address this so that you can finally start getting some bang for your buck if you are working so hard at optimizing your thyroid, if you are working so hard at cleaning up your diet and getting out those inflammatory processed foods, you can actually be rewarded for your efforts. So this is one that I would like to ask you to share because it's one of those that just, it's just not talked about very often. It's not addressed. I know I like to avoid looking at studies on sleep. And let me tell you, all you have to do is go into Google Scholar or go into Google and type in scholarly articles on sleep and weight gain. Just see what comes up there for you in case you doubt me whatsoever. Yes, I could list all the scholarly articles in the show notes, but I won't waste your time. Literally go into Google and type in scholarly articles on sleep and weight gain or weight loss. Either one. See a whole bunch come up. So, Share this with your people because most of you are not sleeping. I think this is, it's not, it's not all glitz and exciting, but it's really darn important to dive into the sleep issue, especially with those who are stuck, who are saying, oh my gosh, I'm doing everything right. Why aren't I losing weight? So this could be one of those simple little components that Oh, you just hate that it's that easy, right? You just hate it that it's that easy, but you could start making changes right now. You could have a huge impact on your body. Huge, huge, huge. All right, guys, until later this week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Thyroid Fix podcast. Also, please remember that anything that you hear on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat. 
So you always want to check with your doctor about any advice given that you hear on this podcast. And if you would like to book a discovery call, a free discovery call to go over everything that's going on with you and to go over how I can help you, please go to my website at amyhorneman.com. The link is always in the show notes and click on book a call. Choose a time and a day that's right for you. And we will see how we can help you. Thanks for listening.